Hello. I, my name's James. I, I look after all the, all the youth work here. It's so great to, to be with you this evening. Um, my, uh, my job is pretty simple tonight. Uh, basically, my job is to, uh, is to try and unpack a little bit of this passage, really, but just share with you what I feel the Lord might be saying to us through this passage tonight. And, and all week, I, I've just had this really strong sense that, that simply what God wants to do tonight is just remind us of who Jesus is, that he just wants us to be, to be open to receive something of who Jesus is. And I'm sure for some of us, we may have been around church for a long time and we've heard lots of chat about Jesus. We've maybe even heard this passage preached on loads of times. Um, if that's you, if you've heard lots about Jesus, then I, I would so encourage you to be open to see what God might want to do with you tonight for the first time in a brand new way. And maybe you've never ever heard about Jesus before, um, in which case it's, it's brilliant to have you here. And, and again, I'd encourage you just come with a really open mind and see what, see what might happen. You might be pleasantly surprised. So let me, let me pray for that. We're going to pray that, that we might be open to, to receive whatever the Lord wants to do tonight. And, and I believe for, for lots of us, that's something around the idea of, of receiving something of Jesus that, that we never have before. So let's, let's pray. Let's be quiet for, for a moment. And pray, Lord, come by your Holy Spirit. become aware of the fact that, that God is here, that God loves us and that God knows us. And that God knows each of us so intimately that he knows what, what we need tonight. So Lord, I, I pray that we would be open tonight to whatever it is you want to say to us. Lord God, we, we choose to say that just now we, we just want to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. Whatever it is you want to say tonight would be what I say. And I pray that we would, we would have such a strong sense of you moving and you, you meeting with us. Lord, thank you that when we meet with you, you bring us closer to you. That changes our life. So, Lord God, we say that we're open and we pray that you would speak through this passage tonight. Amen. Great. As, as lots of you will know, I'm from Glasgow originally, uh, and myself and Mark and Gemma, who are on the team, we're all from Glasgow. We all felt called to come over east and share, share the Lord with you all over here. Um, but uh, something that Glaswegians do very, very well, um, the rest of the world do this very well as well, but Glasgow especially is when you're at a, at a gig or a, a rock concert of some sorts, um, what happens is uh, the band who you've maybe been waiting to hear play for, for ages and ages, sometimes years, they'll play a set and it'll be absolutely brilliant. You'll think this is the best thing I've ever seen. But you know that they've got some, uh, some of their greatest hits to come. And for some reason, after they've played for about an hour, they'll just walk off the stage 
and, uh, and in Glasgow and around the world, Edinburgh as well. But what happens, especially with Glaswegians, is they start going crazy when the band walk off the stage. They start um, cheering and clapping. They often chant things that I definitely can't repeat in church. But they, they are so, so excited. And the reason that they're excited is because they know that this brilliant band that they've seen are going to come back in a couple of minutes for their encore. And this brilliant band are going to play their greatest hits. You've maybe seen uh, some great things from them already that night, but they're going to knock your socks off with what they're going to do. And Encore is brilliant because it acts as a, as a reminder of what's happened, but it's also a promise of what's coming as well. And, uh, and I, I want to propose that at the moment, we're kind of waiting on Jesus to do his Encore. We're, we're in that middle stage where we've seen Jesus do some incredible things. And we're waiting for the best to come yet. And we're in this funny kind of uh, middle period. And the, the way that we read this passage tonight, I'd love us to, I've just knocked my water over, that's a shame. <laughs> I, I'd love us to, <laughs> I'd love us to um, think about this passage as if we're at, at a gig and the band's just gone off and we're kind of waiting uh, for an encore. Because when this passage was written, Jesus hadn't come yet. And so Isaiah was a prophet who God was speaking through. And Isaiah was basically saying, this is what Jesus is going to look like. But we've already had Jesus come for the first time. So we get to look back, thankful for what's happened. But God is also speaking to us through this passage tonight. Thank you so much. That's amazing. God is also speaking to us uh, tonight about how the best is yet to come. And so as we, as we read this, let's hold the idea that actually this is a reminder of what Jesus is like, but it's also a promise of what's going to come as well. And so um, basically, as I say, we're just going to think about Jesus. We're going to think about why Jesus is worth the wait. Why, why is he so brilliant? Why is this encore idea so great? I'm going to propose three things. When you meet Jesus, Jesus makes you look up. Jesus makes you look out, and Jesus makes you look upside down. He makes you look up, makes you look out, and makes you look upside down. So that's what we're, that's what we're going to uh, do as we go through the passage, hopefully. Um, but just, a, just a, a kind of opening thought, I guess. I, I wonder if any of us have, have been through a season, or maybe going through a season at the moment, of, of really crying out to God, saying, God, where are you? I don't, I don't understand what you're doing just now. I hear all these things that say that you're good and that you're faithful, but I just don't see any of that at the moment. And, and I'm, I'm really praying about something or I'm really worrying about something. I really need to see you do something, but you just don't seem to be acting up. I, I don't get what's going on. If, you, if you're going through a time like that, or if you've had a time like that, you're, you're not alone <laughs> Because the Israelites, who God was speaking to through Isaiah in this passage, were probably asking pretty similar questions. See, the Israelites, um, way back uh, in Genesis, uh, you read about how God spoke to Abraham. And God said to Abraham, hey, Abraham, are you and your descendants going to become Israel are my chosen people. And uh, God says, uh, do you know, I'm this abundantly loving God and I want to be in relationship with mankind. Um, they mess up a little bit, but you are my chosen people. I'm going to be in relationship with you and I'm going to bless you. And then through you, you're going to bless all the people of the world. 
So the Israelites have this, uh, this idea going through the whole Old Testament is the idea of how, how is God going to bless the Israelites as his chosen people and then bless the rest of the world through the Israelites. And um, throughout the, the Old Testament, you basically see about how the Israelites keep messing up time after time again. And at the time of this writing, uh, the Israelites, um, basically, to cut a very long story short, all these other tribes had been coming and defeating different tribes of the Israelites. And they were uh, losing hope of this idea of being a blessing, of being blessed. They were being exiled, they were being kicked out of their lands, and they seemed to be losing hope. I'm sure that loads of them would have been saying, God, where on earth are you? What are you doing? I don't understand. Because we as the Israelites are supposed to be a blessing to the world, and we're supposed to be blessed as your chosen people, but we don't see that happening at the moment. And God comes back at them with his amazing promise. In verse 1 of of chapter 11, God says this through Isaiah. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. What does that mean? God's basically saying through, through Isaiah, do you know what the answer to your crying out is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is going to come from the line of Jesse, And Jesus is the answer to what you're looking for. The Israelites are going through a rough time. They keep messing up. And the promise that God gives them is Jesus. And so if you tonight are are in in a time of crying out to God, not knowing what God's doing, feeling like God isn't being faithful to the things that he's promised, then I want to tell you that the answer you're looking for is Jesus. God gives uh, this really simple and profound answer of, do you know what? It's all about Jesus. When we're uh, in, a, in a time of struggling with something, it's so easy to look at other things that aren't Jesus. But God says through this passage, it is all about Jesus. Jesus is brilliant. So it doesn't matter what you're going through tonight. The answer is Jesus. And when you, when you meet with Jesus, as Rich said earlier about experiencing Jesus, then he um, helps us work through that stuff. So that's a, a sort of opening, opening idea that, do you know, actually it's all about Jesus. When we're going through something, God's answer to the Israelites was, by the way, Jesus is coming. And God's answer to us is, by the way, Jesus has come. He's already here and he's going to come back and do something amazing. It's all about Jesus. If you're looking anywhere other than Jesus, then you're not going to be satisfied. So why Jesus? What's, what's the big deal? Well, as I said, Jesus makes us look up, he makes us look out, and he makes us look upside down. Jesus makes us look up. And verse, uh, verses 2 and 3 in this chapter 11 say this, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus shows us what God is like. One of the things Jesus did was he showed us what God is like. When we look at Jesus, we end up looking up to God because Jesus shows us what God is like. And that was through the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was completely human. He was uh, genuinely born as a human baby and he was completely God as well. The Spirit of the Lord rested on him. And so that means that when we, when we look at Jesus, he is God's 
And when we hear Jesus say something, uh, when we read about Jesus doing something, when we see the sort of things that Jesus um, is passionate about, that is the sort of thing God is passionate about. Those are the sort of things that God would say. Those are the things God says. And so when we look at Jesus, we look up and we look up to God. And that's a good thing because from the very start, God has wanted to bless us and be in relationship with us. And when we look at Jesus, we get to look up. Um, did, did anyone see the uh, Graham Norton and Adele prank a while back? Yeah, a couple of nods. So um, uh, Adele, who's this uh, very famous singer, and Graham Norton, who's this very famous uh, comedian uh, chat show host, they, they played this prank a couple of weeks ago. You can find it on YouTube. And um, basically what happened was uh, they, they staged this sort of fake Adele impersonation uh, contest thing. And so uh, the, way that it, the way that it worked was they got all these kind of fake Adele's to come and they were going to compete to be the best fake Adele or something. And, and they, they were standing on the side of the stage, they would come up to the mic, they would sing as Adele, and then they would go back down to the floor and they would sit and watch the next Adele come up. Uh, but what these fake Adele's didn't know was that um, the real Adele was in as part of this group as well. She had on um, a fake nose and fake chin and she had on makeup and stuff. And, uh, and so you, you see the videos of them all kind of at the side of the stage talking to each other, not realizing this is Adele. Adele. And um, they all go, Adele's the last one to come up. And as soon as Adele starts singing, you just see the penny drop one by one for each of them as they're like, oh my goodness, the way that she sings, that must be Adele. There's no way that isn't Adele. A couple of them stay quite stubborn and uh, one of them in particular is like, nah, it's not, nah, it's not. And then, and then towards the end, when they all realize it's Adele, they all start crying and they're hugging and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it's great. And Graham Norton comes out like, oh, hello, it's Adele. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't planning on doing that. I'm sorry if that's offensive to anyone who's from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we look at Jesus, he isn't, he isn't playing a prank on us, but it's kind of like that idea where um, just as this Adele, who people didn't know it was the real Adele, but she was actually Adele, when we look at Jesus, um, it's actually God. And uh, when we see Jesus as things of his character come out, as we read about them, as we find out about them, we start realizing, oh man, this is, this is God. He's the real deal. This is who he is. And some people maybe take longer to get it. Some people maybe don't get it ever at all. But that's basically what's going on. Jesus is there doing his thing and he's God. He makes us look up. And it's all because the spirit of the Lord was on him. The good news for us, though, is that when he, um, when he ascended back up into heaven with the promise of coming back later, he gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift. So um, Jesus did all this amazing stuff on earth as a man, and he continues to do this amazing stuff on earth through his spirit. And it's, it's a mind-blowing concept, but it means that Jesus is here right now speaking. It means that Jesus reveals things to us. He, he um, it shows us his love. He um, speaks to us through the Bible. He answers prayers all by his spirit. And it's not that Jesus was on earth being God and then he disappeared off and we're just in an encore time, but it's that he's still here in another way. One of the things that the, the uh, Bible talks about in Acts is that the Holy Spirit is a witness to us. Uh, Peter says it in Acts. He says um, that the Holy Spirit is a witness of these things to us. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I wasn't there when God created the world. 
And um, uh, Dave was close to it, but not quite. <laughs> um, I wasn't there when, uh, when God said to Noah, go build a boat. I wasn't there when David killed Goliath. I wasn't there when, um, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I wasn't there when Jesus fed 5,000 people. I wasn't there when uh, Paul, who was Saul, was blinded on the road to Damascus. But the Holy Spirit was there. And I can read about these things in the Bible. I can talk about these things. I can engage with these things in my head. And I can uh, read about them, and that's great, and that's important. Um, But what the Holy Spirit does is he comes and lives inside us, and he's a witness of these things to us. He makes them go from our head into our heart. Uh, Let me give you the best example I can think of of someone being a witness. Um, I I used to work up north. Uh, One of the things I did was uh, I instructed skiing. And all, all, of, uh, all of the instructors used to go to France for a week's uh, ski training uh, just before Christmas. And um, we got split up into lots of different groups depending on our skiing ability. Um, I won't tell you which group I was in, but it was yeah, pretty, um, pretty basic. But the, <laughs> um, my friend Kidi was uh, in a group with this guy called Dave who was instructing her. And Dave is one of the most amazing skiers um, probably in the country. Like he's, he's uh, unbelievably well qualified, really high up in the kind of ski instructor world. Uh, he's a bit older. Um, he's probably like in his 50s or something like that now. Um, but he still skis way better than any of us uh, ever, <laughs> ever do. And um, there was this run that you used to always take to go home, and it was, it was a black run, which is the most difficult run. And um, our hotel was down in the village, and this black run basically went really steep, and then there was a little ledge, and then it went really steep again, and then at the bottom, it went flat, and then just went slightly uphill. And so what would happen would be if um, you wanted to get to your hotel without uh, any effort, really, you would ski down, making turns then the first uh, steep bit, and then you get to the ledge, and then when you got to the ledge, you would tuck like that so that you go really fast. And then as you go down, you take the flat bit and then go uphill and then glide into your hotel looking like a pro, ready to have um, a van show. Um, Dave was at the top of this black run with his group. Kidi was in the group, my friend. And Dave did what no one should ever do <laughs> Dave tucked from the very top of the black run. And so um, Dave tucks from the very top, starts picking up speed, and then he hits the ledge in the middle, and he just soars up into the air and is kind of flying through the air like this. And then Dave crumples into the snow and the, uh, and the steep bit at the bottom, and there's a big kind of cloud of snow goes up, and everyone in the group is thinking, oh my goodness, Dave's just killed himself, what are we going to do? <laughs> and then a few seconds pass, and then the snow kind of descends, and Kidi's group see Dave skiing on one ski down this black run. <laughs> and then a couple of moments later, I uh, appeared with my group to the top of this black run. And Kidi <laughs> came running up to us saying, oh my goodness, the most amazing thing just happened. Dave, he talked from the very top and he ended up hitting the ledge. We thought he died. He came down, he was skiing on one ski. It was the most amazing thing. He's down there. <laughs> and Kidi was so passionate about it. She, she was so articulate in the way that she shared it that... I felt like I was there. I felt like I'd actually seen it. And I caught some of her passion off of her. She was a witness of Dave uh, falling on his skis to me. And that's how the Holy Spirit works a little bit. We weren't there 
when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. We can read about it in our heads. But if we ask the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's like, oh my goodness, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. That Jesus literally was dead and then he defeated death and it was the most incredible thing. Let me come into your heart and let me give you passion. Let me let you be excited about that because you can read about it here, but let me plant it here. Or he might say, oh, you're into the creation of the world, but man, I was there and it was good and God was amazing and he loved what he did. And let me make it passion, let me put passion in your heart. Let me plant that in your heart. And maybe we can read the Bible, we can engage with that in, in a head level. And the Holy Spirit's like, do you know what? This is alive and it's alive because of me. So let me come into your heart. Let me pull things out of it. Let me uh, make you excited for it. Let me show you things that you'd never notice on your own and in your own strength because I love this and I want to be a witness of these things to you. And so when we ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, come and fill us, he's a witness of these things to us. If you tonight hear me say, when you look at Jesus, he makes you look up and you think he doesn't make me look up, then ask the Holy Spirit to come and be a witness of you, a witness of these things to you. Because that's one of the things that he does. He plants these things in your heart. He stops them from being head knowledge and starts making them heart knowledge as well. Jesus makes us look up. Now, of course, the thing is, is when uh, the Spirit comes as a witness of these things, sometimes you don't feel anything. That's okay. If you're sitting there thinking, do you know, I, I just know and I'm not as excited as you're articulating there. That's okay. That's okay. The Spirit works in different ways. But what he does is he plants it in our heart. We're not only engaging in it intellectually, but plants it in our heart. So Jesus makes us look up. Let me just fly through the next couple. Jesus is brilliant. <laughs> he makes us look up, but he also makes us look out. Um, if we read uh, in verses, um, uh, verse three and four, it says this about Jesus. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. You know, Jesus points us to God, and the Spirit points us to Jesus, who points us to God. And one of the things that happens when you start looking at Jesus is you start looking out. You notice the people around you in a way that you never did before. And the reason for that is because God loves each person in this world more than we could ever, ever, ever imagine. And God is good. God is holy. God is righteous. And it means that when he looks out and sees things in the world that aren't right, when he looks and he sees people who are oppressed, when he looks and he sees people who are hurting, He's utterly devastated about it. And Jesus was utterly devastated about it as well. And what happens when we look at Jesus is he, he lets us look out. We don't only spend our time looking out, up, but we spend our time looking out as well. And we notice the things that God's passionate about because God's passionate about justice. Jesus hung out with uh, people in, who society put down he cared for them and he showed God's love to them because Jesus knew that God's love 
broke down social barriers. Jesus knew that God's love broke down any barriers that we might put in place, but that God's love was for everyone. And he wanted to share that with everyone. And when we look at Jesus, we start looking out. We start seeing people around us and we start wanting to share God's love with them because our hearts get broken in the same way that God's heart gets broken for them too. Changes the way that we look um, at uh, homeless people that we pass on the street. You realize that when you look at Jesus, you start looking out at the homeless people and you think, how can I share God's love with you? Changes the way that you think about people on the other side of the world. People who um, maybe have things of injustice going on, who are being oppressed, have all sorts of horrible things happen. We look and we notice those things and we think, what does it look like to share God's love with those people? Because that's what God wants to do. If you have ever felt even remotely uncomfortable or challenged when you've seen um, something going on in this world that you know isn't the way it should be, then you know a little bit of how God feels. Because God knows more than any of us do that that's not the way it's supposed to be. God knows that that's not his perfect plan for the world. And so if you have that little bit of passion, that little bit of um, challenge, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then explore that. Work out what it is that God might want to do with that piece of, um, uh, with that thing that you've noticed, with that bit of passion you've noticed. Because when we look at Jesus, he makes us look up and he makes us look out as well. To go back to that encore illustration, you know, the band uh, start, they play their set and it's, it's brilliant and then they go away off the stage. And what's happened there is the band have set loads of momentum. They've um, got, got things going. And then for, for a brief moment, it's all up to the crowd at that point. Although it was the band that started it, the crowd keep crazy. They um, really build momentum and they carry on what the band has started before the band come on and finish it for good. And that's kind of like what Jesus has asked us as his church to do. You know, we're not just left on our own. Jesus is here. But Jesus has set the momentum. And he says to us, I want you to carry that momentum. And one of the things that Jesus does is he makes us look out. And part of carrying the momentum for him as his church is that we share his love with everyone. Jesus makes us look up. Jesus makes us look out. And finally, Jesus makes us look upside down. It seems for some bizarre reason that the way of God's kingdom is to do things in a way that we might not necessarily expect, in a way that might be totally upside down to the way of the world. We all know the Christmas story of Jesus, the son of God, who decided to be born um, to a poor family in a manger with no place to live. That's pretty upside down in our world. If we were writing a story, we wouldn't put the king as part of a poor family with nowhere to live. We'd put him in a palace. But in God's kingdom, things are upside down. Things are flipped upside down. And through Isaiah, God, God says, oh, do you know the result of Jesus is that things get turned upside down. Things don't happen the way you expect to happen. The way of the world isn't winning. It's the way of God that's winning when Jesus comes along. In verse six, it says, the wolf will, will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. 
The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's totally upside down. All these things that you would expect to happen just aren't happening. When we look at Jesus, we see the world upside down. The world says um, young, young uh, children can't put their hands into vipers' nests. But when Jesus comes along, everything's turned upside down. What might the world be saying to you that Jesus is calling you to look at upside down? Maybe the world is saying, ah, you need to chase fame. Maybe Jesus is saying, ah, don't worry about that. Fame comes along, that's brilliant. But that's not the thing that counts. Maybe the world is saying to you, you need to chase success. Jesus is saying, if that comes, that's brilliant. But let's look at it upside down. That's not what matters. Maybe the the world is saying to you, you need to chase relationships. Maybe Jesus is saying to you, brilliant, love relationships. Don't forget the first relationship you're being called into is a relationship with me. Let's look at this upside down. What would it look like if, if we, as God's church, were upside down Christians? If, um, if we were free from the, the things that the world told us we had, to, we had to be or we had to take part in? I, uh, I like to talk about uh, this thing called the Wednesday afternoon principle, which is basically what difference has being at church on Sunday made to you on Wednesday afternoon when you've had a couple of days away and you're not uh, kind of part of the, of the church buzz and uh, you're back into normality. What does it look like for you to be upside down on Wednesday afternoon? What are the people at work or uni or school um, saying to you that actually you know to live as a Christian means to live upside down from that? That person that no one wants to talk to, go be an upside down Christian and chat with them. The pressure to... Um, get more money, get more success. Be an upside down Christian and say, do you know what, that's not what's important. If that comes, that's fine, but that's not what's important. Where are we being called to be upside down Christians? When Jesus comes in and he transforms the way that we see it, he uh, releases us from the things that might trap us. When we look at Jesus, he makes us look up. We see God. Our challenge is to spend more time getting to know Jesus, really getting to know Jesus, and asking the Spirit to come and plant those things in our heart that we might not only read about them, but we might know about them as well. When we look at Jesus, we look out because God looks out and He sees the people in the world, He sees that the things are the way they are, and it's not how God wants them, and He calls us to share His love. How do we share his love? By looking out. And when we look at Jesus, we look upside down. What's Jesus challenging you to look at upside down? The world might be saying something. What does it mean to take that and say, actually, how does God see that? What does this look like on Wednesday afternoon for you? And take you back to the very start again, where Israel, uh, the Israelites um, were probably wondering why God wasn't delivering on his promises. And God says, hey, it's all about Jesus. 
Tonight, it's all about Jesus. If you're sitting thinking, what's God up to? Keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus because he helps you look up, look out, and look upside down. Amen.